0: This is the day the Lord has made, <coughs> and we're glad of it. If you have your Bible today, turn with me to Ephesians one. We're going to be looking at verses seven through ten. The title of my message is "Celebrate Redemption." Today is the day of celebration because we know that we have redemption in Him. That He has blessed us. He loved us. He stands for us even in this hour. This is a sermon about the blessings that we have been given as a part of the family of the redeemed. Verse 7 is a celebration of present redemption and the future effects. Now, what I'm going to do today is just kind of move down through verses uh, 7 through 10. So if you'll follow along with me, Paul emphasizes four elements first, redemption, and then the three attendant blessings. There's forgiveness and overwhelming grace and spiritual discernment. And those are going to be the four points of my message today. First of all, Paul is happy and clear regarding the fact of redemption. Look at verse 7 with me. In him we have redemption through his blood. What does he mean by that? Well, there's a story that uh, perfectly illustrates this. I'm sure you've heard it if you've been going to church much uh, in your life. It's a great story. There was a young man, a boy really, that uh, lived by the sea. He lived uh, in a city, and his whole life was pointed toward the water and toward uh, sailing. He just loved anything to do with those two topics. So deep was his fascination with the water and with sailing that he got his dad to help him build a model boat, and they spent months and months and months together building it. And when he got through, he was so proud of it, he could hardly stand it. And so he took that boat down to the edge of the great big lake that they lived on, and he set it out in the water, and he uh, watched it as it kind of moved a little bit. And then he got a string, and and he kind of pulled it along, and then he did this, and he did that. And uh, he just enjoyed every minute with his little boat. One day, when uh, he wasn't paying as much attention probably as he should... A gust of wind came, and it blew his model boat away from the shore. And the wind kept blowing, and it kept getting farther away and farther away and farther away. And finally, it was out in the middle of the lake, and then it kind of went out of sight. And the little boy was just devastated, just devastated. That was, uh, you know, kind of the center of his life. And so he went home, he was all uh, distraught, and he cried. And the next day, after school, he went down to the shore, and he walked all along the shore thinking that it might have uh, been blown back. And he looked and looked, but to no avail. And this happened day after day after day, and he just didn't see his, his ship anymore. And he was so discouraged One day, he was walking through the downtown area, and he looked, and in the window of one of the stores was his boat. He knew it was his because that's the only one that was exactly like that. And he went in, and he announced to the shop owner, that's my boat in the window. That's my boat. I made that boat. And I'd like to have it back. And the owner of the store said, well, I'm sorry, son, but... uh, I paid good money for that boat. A local fisherman uh, sold it uh, to me. And so if you're going to have the boat back, you're going to have to pay for it. And it's uh, so many dollars. And it was a lot of money. A little boy thought, well, boy, I am going to have my boat back. And so he got jobs on the weekends and jobs after school and saved his money every night. He counted his money. He kept working, kept working, kept working, and finally, uh, he had enough money. He went down to the store, and he gave the shopkeeper the money, and the storekeeper gave him his boat. He was so proud. He was so proud. He held it in his arms, and he said with great joy, You are twice mine. I made you And I bought you. Well, redemption is the payment of a price. The price was Christ's own blood, and the object of the price was the pain for our souls. All humanity was powerless to effect self deliverance, but Christ has purchased each individual believer with an infinite price as the scriptures repeatedly attest. 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 18, says this, For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by our forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now this is a cause today for each of us that are believers for great celebration. The price has been paid. The Lord not only made us, but he bought us with his blood because we are twice his, twice his. Second. Today, we want to look at forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins in verse seven. As a believer, the apostle Paul remained profoundly aware of the sin in his life. He knew that he had sinned, and he knew that he continued to sin. He looked back to his old way of life, and it was terrible, the horrible things that he had done. He said that he was still a sinner, the chief of sinners, to use his own words. But along with this was the profound knowledge that he was forgiven and that he was a part of the family of God. Charles Colson tells of watching Albert Speer being interviewed on Good Morning America. Albert Speer was one of Hitler's confidants whose technological genius kept the Nazi factories running, going, all during World War II. He was the only one of 24 Nazi criminals, war criminals, who were tried at Nuremberg. He was the only one to admit his guilt, and he had served 20 years in the Spandau prison. The interviewer referred to a passage in one of Speer's earlier writings, Said, he said, you have said in your writings that this sin, uh, this guilt can never be forgiven. Do you still feel that way? And Chuck Colson said as he watched all this on TV that he will never forget the look on Spears' face, a look of sadness Is he responded, saying, I served a sentence of 20 years, and I guess I could say that I'm a free man, that my conscience has been cleared by serving the whole time. But I can't get rid of it. This book is a part of my atoning, of clearing my conscience. The interviewer persisted and pressed the point. He said, You really don't think that you're ever going to be able to clear your conscience? And Speer said, No, I don't believe that I ever will. Chuck Colson said, For 35 years, Speer had accepted complete responsibility for his crime. His writings were filled with contrition and, and warnings to other people not to do the things that he had done. He desperately sought forgiveness, all to no avail. And Colson said, you know, I wanted to be able to reach out to Spear through the television and to tell him about Jesus and about his death on the cross and about God's forgiveness. But there wasn't any time for that. For after this ABC interview, which was his last public statement, He passed away. The tragedy for Spear is that there was and there is, even this morning as we are here in this place, a hand reaching out to lift us up and to give us complete forgiveness for the sins of our life. Psalms 103 says, As far as the east is from the west, So far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 44 says, I have swept away your offenses like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. And then in Jeremiah 31, for I will forgive the wickedness and will remember their sins no more. And then my favorite, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Total forgiveness is something, folks, that we can celebrate today because if we're a part of the family of God, we know about that forgiveness. We have it. We have experienced it. We walk in it every day. It is beyond anything that positive thinking or therapy or hypnosis can do for us. It's complete, extending to the conscious and unconscious sins in our lives. Anyone can be forgiven, no matter what their sin might be, whether they were the commandant at Auschwitz or Jack the Ripper or the most immoral person living In America, total forgiveness is possible through Christ. And then third, there's grace. Paul's song goes on to the inevitable mention of the abounding grace that we have in the Lord Jesus. Our redemption and forgiveness, he says, are in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us. The last part of verse 7 The first part of verse 8. I love that word, lavish. When you hear that word, what do you think of? I think of the time when I was a kid and my mother would put a little more frosting on the cake. (laughs) You know, lavish that cake. I think of the man that doesn't have too much money. He's worked hard for every dime he has, he goes out one day and he buys his wife a beautiful new dress, and then he goes to the store as he counts his money, and he buys for her all the fine jewelry that he can get with the money that he has, and then he takes it home and and gives it to her, and she puts on the dress and puts on the jewelry, and, and then he begins to kiss her, and he kisses her many, many times. And he says, darling, I just love you with all of my heart. He lavishly shows his love. Well, God's unmerited favor is what he has lavished upon you and upon me today. An overflowing abundance of unmerited love, inexhaustible in God and freely accessible through Christ. In addition to being redeemed and forgiven, we are now the objects eternally of his divine favor in accordance with the riches that he has lavished upon us and will continue to do throughout all eternity. As believers with Paul, we are wealthy Beyond dreams. Have you ever thought that you were so rich you could hardly stand it? A lot of you are shaking your head no. (laughs) Well, you are. Let me tell you this morning, you are. For God gives according to the riches of his grace. He's putting those riches on you even today as we sit in this place to worship love and to show our love to show our worship to our heavenly father we are going to be lavished with favor for eternity now that's more than next week folks that's more than next month next year next decade next generation that's forever this ought to bring music to our souls john newton wrote those great words. I I love them when they're sung and I love to read them as they're printed. And we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise Amen. than when we first begun. Fourth, there is discernment. Paul's final thought regarding our present blessings, is that our redemption brings with it spiritual discernment. Do you think you have that today? It's certainly available to you as a believer. And as we grow in grace, as we grow closer to the Lord, as we pray more, as we study his word more, there is more spiritual discernment that comes our way. We get it. We might call it wisdom and understanding. We have more and more and more of it. What is meant that is along with redemption and forgiveness and overabundant grace, he's given to us wisdom and understanding. University of Chicago professor Alan Bloom wrote a book called The Closing of the American Mind. He describes in his book how his uneducated grandparents lived on a wise and noble level because of the influence of the word of God in their lives. He says this in his book, I do not believe that my generation, my cousins who have been educated in the American system," all of whom are MDs or PhDs, have any comparable learning to my grandparents. When my cousins talk about heaven and earth and the relations between men and women and parents and children and the basic human condition that we see around us today, I hear nothing from them but cliches, and superficialities. That's all I hear. But from my grandparents, I understand a life based on the Bible is closer to the truth, and it provides the material for deeper research in and access to the real nature of things in our daily life. What Professor Bloom says is eminently true. But there's still more. For when one's life is steeped in the word of God, and through God's grace, one has been given wisdom and understanding. One is equipped with the spiritual discernment to face in this life whatever comes. Edith Schmirer was mentioned earlier. It was always interesting to me uh, Sunday after Sunday that she would sit right over here and she couldn't hear a thing. Not one thing. She was deaf. And I would see her in the hospital when she was in there and I would lean over and literally shout in her ear. And she would smile and look at me and, and she could hear that. And uh, she would say something sweet. And we would pray. You know, she had gone through a lot of graduations, high school, college. And then she came to that final graduation and she went home to be with the Lord. And one of the thoughts that's gone through my mind uh, today is that she's hearing it all. She's hearing every sound that is uttered. She's listening to the angels sing. And she's hearing the prophets speak. She's able to see the Lord Jesus and our Heavenly Father and to feel the Spirit of God in her very soul. Now when we put together all the precious present blessings, when we put all that together, They flow out of redemption. Redemption itself, you remember, is that we are twice owned by God. He made us and he bought us with his blood. There is absolute, total, comprehensive forgiveness and the freedom that that forgiveness brings. And there is the fact that in accordance with the riches of his grace, that he has lavished upon us, a veritable flood of undeserved favor that has come our way and that will go with us not only in this life, but all through the years and decades of eternity. And then there's the wonderful gift of spiritual discernment that we get increasingly, as we study his word, as we pray, as we join together with the people of God and grow in his likeness and image. And then we will learn that remarkable song that Paul knew, the song in the heart of the redeemed, which only will be amplified for us as we move through this life and on into glory beyond. Paul's emphasis on the blessing of wisdom and understanding prepares the way for the next focus of our celebration, the future blessings of redemption. Paul continues, look at verse 9 and 10. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he had purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even the Lord Jesus. The redeemed see a new order that is coming. It was a mystery, a secret in times past, not because it was incomprehensible, but because it was undiscoverable with human reason. It could only be known through divine revelation which we have, which we have been given. What is the mystery? Simply this, verse 9, when the times will have received and reached their fulfillment. In other words, at the appropriate time, God will bring all things in heaven and on earth under together in one head under the Lord Jesus. As believers, we know that this is true. We do not share the pessimism, and the despair of our world. We have a positive attitude about what not only God is doing now, but what he is going to do for us in glory forever. History is going somewhere. All will make sense when everything is brought together under the lordship of Christ. We're the blessed ones. In all of creation, we are the most fortunate. When you're so blessed as we are, we ought to give back. We ought to be giving back every day. In the 1920s, there was a sociology class at Johns Hopkins University that made a study of children in a deprived area of Baltimore, the inner city area. And they went out and they did extensive research and they found 200 kids that were born in a terrible area with uh, parents that didn't pay a lot of attention to them. They didn't have anything beyond just mere poverty. They did this study, and they identified 200 that appeared to be doomed for prison or alcoholism or to be murdered on the street or something of the kind. After 25 years, there was a group, They did another study. They went back to find those 200 kids and what had happened to them. Surprisingly, only two of the 200 had gone to prison. As these men and women were interviewed, over and over again, there came up the name of a certain teacher. She went by the name Aunt Hannah. The sociologists were correct in their predictions. By all indications, those 200 kids would be at the very, very bottom of society and would never amount to anything. They would be murdered, or they would be alcoholics, or they would be drug addicts on their back in the terrible section of town, or they'd be in prison. But there was an outside force, an intervention. There was Aunt. Hannah an elementary school teacher who loved them she changed everything they grew they developed they did well in life folks we need to be the outside force today we're the ones that ought to lead the intervention, we're the ones that should make the difference because we have Jesus and we can give him to them. This morning, if you're in the house and for whatever reason you've never trusted and believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, our prayer today is that you would do that, that you'd quit putting it off. And that you would say, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. I place my faith and my trust in you. Today, if you're here, you've been visiting with us. You like the sound of your word as it is preached. You like to be in a place where they really believe the book. Today, I hope you'll come and join with us. And help us as we're trying to reach out, not only to our immediate neighborhood, but beyond to our county, our nation, and the world through the missionaries that we support. Today, if there's a spiritual decision that would be honoring to Jesus, I pray that you'd make it. I'm going to be standing right down here at the front. You just slip out and slip forward. There will be great rejoicing in the house. Let's stand together as we sing.